Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Blessings of the deep that lieth under blessings of the breasts and of the womb. See, Shaddai, blessings, blessings, Shaddai, fruit, fruit. So it's always in this context of Shaddai is in the, it's a good, good explanation that Shaddai comes from mean water to make fruitful, make grow. So Naomi uses this word Shaddai for God. She's thinking God is the one who is like, who's the blesser. God is the one who makes the water, like the waters to grow. And referring to God as the source of water that makes things grow, that carries through in the Hebrew for the word heaven. Heaven is shamayim. So there's the two words put together. Sham is there. Mayim is water. So in other words, God says, look, when you look to heaven, you just remember that's the place where water comes from. Water's over there. Water up there. Okay? And we know the power of water. We live in San Diego. What would we be without water? We'd dry up like everything else. And you go to El Centro. In El Centro, what is El Centro? When you drive there, the, the part that's not watered, it's terrible. It's, it's desert, scorched, no green, all is dead. But when the water is brought to El Centro, you see this bursting out of, of fruit, supplying a major supplier, vegetables in the U.S. Why? Water. The Lord Jesus Christ said he was Shaddai, or the one that brings water. In John 7, 37, last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he said, if anyone is, is really thirsty for life, you should come to him and he'll give him because he's Shaddai. He's going to give him the water. John 1, 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. In fact, Shaddai is brought out by calling this water the water of life. It says that in John 14, when he was speaking to the woman at the well, he said, whoever gives the water that I'll give him, never thirst. The water I give him, you know, water, a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. In Revelation 21, 6, it says, he said, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life. There's that phrase, the water of life, freely. And again, in, the, in Revelation 22.1, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. So as Naomi keeps emphasizing the Shaddai to her, she keeps emphasizing that she's thinking the one who makes things grow, the one who blesses, the one who makes fruitful. And by her use of Shaddai, she's saying that he chastened me to help me. He didn't chasten me in judgment to destroy me. And when we're chastened by the Lord, it's only because he loves us. As he says in Hebrews 12, 6, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. The Lord was talking to David about his son Solomon. In 2 Samuel 7, 4, he said to David, for your son, I'll be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, which Solomon did from time to time, anyway, he says, if he committed iniquity, I'll chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. So the Lord says his relationship with Solomon was going to be, I'll be his father, he'll be my son. And what's the proof? That the first thing is that if he commits iniquity, I'm not going to let him get away with it. Why? Because I love him. I love him like a father loves a son. See, twice 
in the book of Deuteronomy, God told the Israel people, he used this term, consider in your hearts. They use that term twice in the book of Deuteronomy. Consider in your heart. Consider it in thine heart. And so the first one, he says, Deuteronomy 4.39, Know therefore this day, and consider it in thine heart, that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath, and there's none else. So he wants them to think about that. And in Deuteronomy 8.5, he said, Thou shalt also consider in thine heart, same phrase, that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. There's two times when God says, really think about this, really let this set in. First, almighty, God is, there's none else like him. Second, he loves you when he chastens you. And they're to stop and to think about that. Look at creation. He says, stop and think. Look at creation and see there's no God like him and there's none else. And then look at your situation when you're chastened and realize it's the love of God. It's the love of a father to a son. He says that. So Naomi purposefully chooses this word Shaddai to explain what happens to her because she sees herself as being chastened. And the reason she uses that is because she's saying, look, like water comes to a parched dead desert and makes it blossom and makes it fruitful. Shaddai is going to come to the desert of my soul and make it fruitful. Job understood this and this goal that God has when he said, when he had tried me, in Job 23.10, when he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Shaddai made Job come forth as gold after he tried him. Shaddai, like the water, has the goal of fruitfulness. That's the purpose of water. God has a purpose for water. There's one word that Shaddai is used speaking about water in these verses here, where it says in Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's me, I'm the eater. (laughs) So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void until it accomplish that which it please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. And that's the word, sent. The rain doesn't just happen. It's sent by God. You know, when we receive a package, the first thing we do is we look at the address label to see who sent it to us. And we see who it came from. See, Isaiah 55 10 through 11, it tells us that when we look at the rain, we should see it as a package with the label that's got on it from God. And when we see the rain, we should think about God holding the rain accountable, because that's really what Isaiah 55 is saying. He's holding accountable. He said, now I'm sending you to the earth, and now you go, and you bring forth, and you make bud, and you give seed to the sower, and you give bread to the eater, and don't come back until you've done it, he says the rain, until you've done that job. And when you do come back, give me an account. I'm holding accountable. So Shaddai is the water that brings forth the life to come forth. In the same way, God sends his word to us. Same way. That's what he says in Isaiah 55. He says to his word, I'm sending you to my child. Now you go, you make my child bring forth fruit. And his word has his orders from God. It's going to accomplish it. And King David tells us that in this way, he learned by Shaddai, the righteous statutes of God. He said, it's good for me, in Psalm 119.71, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Shaddai 
made David learn God's statutes. King Solomon tells us the motivation again between God's chastening when he said, he's repeated what what God told David about him, but he said in Proverbs 3.12, whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he he delighteth. Shaddai is the father. He loves us. He corrects us. When God corrects us, God's saying, I love you too much to let you get away with that. I love you too much to let you get away with that. Correction is the expression of God's love. And that's what he said in Revelation 3.19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, repent. His goal of correction is to prune the sin away. Shaddai does that, to bring it again. You know, I've seen Cheryl, she loves to guard. I've seen her prune a tree right down to the ground. And I said to her, it's dead already. You can't live. Take it out. She says, no. She waters it. And something amazing happens. It comes back to life again. Why? Water. Water made that tree come back to life. Sometimes God, like Cheryl, he prunes a tree right down to the ground. And it looks like that tree is gone forever. It's dead. It'll never live again. But Shaddai comes, the water, and it makes it fruitful again. And this is what Job was describing about his own life as a pruned tree. And he said in Job 14, 7 through 9, For there is hope of a tree if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock thereof die in the earth, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. See, sometimes we feel like we've been cut down. We're a cut-down tree. We feel like the root that's dried up and old in the earth, looks dead. But Shaddai comes as the scent of water and makes it to bud again and bring forth fruit. Water is the hope for the dry root. Water reaches the dry root. That root sees that water, and it just almost reaches out. It sees like it reaches out, takes hold of that water, and sucks up the water. And we can almost hear that dry root when the water comes, crying out like Jacob did in Genesis 32 when he says, "Uh, there, I got you, and now I won't let you go unless thou bless me. And that's the hope of the Jewish people because it's described in Isaiah 27, five through six, where he says, oh, let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. See, the Jewish people will see the Lord Jesus Christ as Shaddai, and like a dry root, they'll take hold of Shaddai like water. And when they do, they'll be like Jacob. And they'll say, I won't let you go. I will not, Genesis 32, 26. I will not let thee go. I can't live without you. I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Why? Shaddai is water. And when Naomi uses this word Shaddai in verses 20 through 21, she's saying that she welcomed the correcting work of Shaddai. Because Shaddai was also going to be the water that's going to build her up. And the goal was not destruction. And Jeremiah, the prophet, prayed this way. He said in Jeremiah 10, 24, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. And Naomi understood this, and that God's goal in correcting her was not in anger to destroy her, to make her fruitful again, which she was later, we'll see. So there was only one word that Naomi could use to express her hope in what happened to her in the future. It was Shaddai. And she responds to the people, and she says to the people, yes, I have been chastened. I have been corrected by God. You see me in my cut-down state, but God is Shaddai. 
And he'll water me. He'll make me bud and blossom, blossom again. I'll come. I'll come back because my hope is in Shaddai. Now, notice in verse 21 how Naomi describes her history. She says, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Now the people, and they say, why then calling me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. So they're saying, Naomi, what's your testimony? People of Bethlehem say that. Her reply is, I went out full, the Lord brought me home empty again. Again, empty. So speaking about her sin, of leaving the people of God, trying to just blend in with the Moabites, she called that going out full. And she went out full of her own ambitions. She had, there was a new life for her to build. There was a family to grow. There was a prosperity to gain. And she thought that staying with the people of God, she couldn't do it. So she left. She was full. She said, I went out full. That's a description of sin. I went out full describes the human heart that leaves God. That's a description of like all, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord laid on him our iniquity of us all. And notice in verse 21 how Naomi said, I went out full, the Lord brought me home again, empty. Naomi left home full. Naomi left the people of God full, and the Lord brought her home again, empty. That's a testimony of the prodigal son. The Lord loved Naomi. The Lord loved the prodigal son too much to let him get away with it, to let them be like the sheep that went astray, turned everyone to his own way. So the Lord reduced Naomi and the prodigal son to a state of emptiness. That's what we have described in the prodigal son when it talks about he came to himself. And that's what's described in uh, verse 6 when it says Naomi arising that she might return from the country of Moab. And the prodigal son knew that God had brought him to be empty when he said, I perish with hunger, I've sinned against heaven. And Naomi knew that God had brought her to the state of emptiness when she said, Shaddai hath dealt very bitterly with me. The Lord hath brought me home again empty. The Lord Almighty hath afflicted me. And the prodigal son accepted 100% of the responsibility. And he says to Luke 15, 18 through 19, I have sinned against heaven. And no more worthy to call thy son. He said that. The prodigal son did not blame his elder brother, which he could have. The elder brother sounds like he was a real pill to live with. He didn't say, you know, my brother, he's a problem. He's proud. He's arrogant. He's always treated me with contempt. That's the reason I left home and the people of God. He didn't say that. And the prodigal son didn't blame his father by saying, you never appreciated me. And you always showed favoritism to my older brother. That's the reason I left home and the people of God. And notice that Naomi here, she takes 100% of the responsibility for her sin. She uses these personal pronouns here in Ruth 1.21. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home empty again. It's very important to notice that Naomi did not say, we went out full. It was true, but she didn't say that. And the Lord hath brought me home empty. By saying, I went out full, instead of we went out full, that made all the difference in the world that it was, she was t- making her personal confession of sin. Actually, it was true that her family went out full. It was true that her husband and, and two sons went out. It was true that her husband was part of the decision. Maybe he was the whole decision, I don't know, to leave the people of God and blend in with the people of Moab. But Naomi will see nothing of her husband's responsibility or of her son's responsibility in leaving the people of God, trying to blend in. Instead, she just takes all the responsibility herself when she says, I went out full. The Lord brought me back empty. 
And no person is going to be repaired by God unless he takes 100% responsibility for his sin. It has to be. No person who says, I did nothing wrong, will ever be repaired from sin. Only the person who says, as I see it, I'm 100% to blame. I've sinned. That's the person who will be healed from sin. This was the first step of the restoration for the sheep in Isaiah 53, 6, when they said, we have turned, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. We have turned. We were, they didn't say we were turned, which they were. Did their rabbi shepherds cause them to go astray? Yes, according to Jeremiah 56. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. See, my people have been lost. Their shepherds caused them to go astray. The rabbi shepherds, by telling them, you're good people, and you're a good person, and you're a good person, and you too. You see, by doing that, you don't need a blood sacrifice. No. You don't need to die for your sins. What? No. You don't, the, Jesus? No. Not for you. What are they doing? They caused them to go astray. But when the Jewish sheep return to God, they say nothing about rabbi shepherds. With their, they say, all we like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. And that confession of sin is the first step on the road back to God. And uh, see, they said, I left because it's my will to leave. It's an evil thing to follow one's own will. It's bad. And what a wonderful description Naomi gives to return. Notice how she said, I went out full and the Lord hath brought me back to Bethlehem again. She didn't say that. I went out full and the Lord brought me back to Bethlehem again. No. She said, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again, empty. See, verse 21 was Naomi's shout when she came back to Bethlehem, home again. And when the Christian who wanders in the desert of the world, and the parents are praying that one prayer, they're praying the prayer of verse 21, the Lord will bring them home again. And the Christian, he often returns empty, but everybody shouts, home again. And the prodigal son he shouts, home again, and the father says, home again. That's what it's all about. And when Naomi said that, I went out full, the Lord brought me home empty, she wasn't saying it was not herself that brought her home. She said, God brought me home empty. It's painful to be made empty. And that's most often what it takes for the backslider, to be made empty. She says in verse 21, she says, the Lord hath testified against me. Shaddai hath afflicted me. It's a Septuagint paraphrases this, and it says, where it says, the Lord testified against me, the Septuagint said, the Lord humbled me. The Lord humbled me. And it's true. It's the pride that caused her to leave the people of God, to try to blend in. The Lord made Naomi empty. It was the Lord humbling Naomi. Pride's the root of every sin. God brings affliction to cure the disease by humbling. It's true. The Lord did humble Naomi and made her the better for it. It's a tough life when a believer leaves the people of God and tries to blend in. It's a hard life, it says in Proverbs 13, 15. The way of the transgressor is hard. But for the believer who in pride leaves the people of God to just blend in, deep regrets happen. The mind is full of things that you can't get it out of your mind. That's why God says that when I bring my mighty hand on you in 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. The way out is always this. And if you look at the word testify in verse 21, 
I went out full. The Lord hath testified against me. The Lord testified against That's the goodness of God when God testifies, testifies against us. It's a good thing. Several times in my life when I've been angry and I've picked up the phone and I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret, and what happens? I lose the connection. <laughs> and I stop and I say, God must be testifying against me. You know, just last week, I was angry at one of the clinical staff taking care of my wife in the hospital. And I was really angry, and I was going to really say things I shouldn't. And Adina wrote, Adina wrote the email that said how her mom, Jean, remembered an old evangelist who got mad at a train ticket agent and then had to return to apologize to the train ticket agent. And when I read that, God testified against me. <laughs> and I stopped. Sometimes another Christian, sometimes the Bible, sometimes uh, you, something you read. God testifies against us. It's an expression of the goodness of God in verse 21. The Lord had testified against me. There's two parts that it put together. Verse 21, so he says, I went and the Lord testified against me. I went, that was my sin. And the Lord testified against me, that was faithfulness of God. When God testifies against us, it's the goodness of God. So that's why verse, 26, verse 21 is so beautiful. You sum up verse 21, it's like this. Man leaves, God brings home again. That's wonderful. Now, the last verse in this chapter shows that although God chastened Naomi, he had no intention of crushing her. And it's because it says, say, Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the land of Moab. Two words are wonderful in that verse, verse 22 there. Two words. And they are the words, with her. With her. Naomi was not all alone because Ruth the Moabitess was with her, like a neighbor. And Naomi did not suffer being alone, suffer alone, because Ruth the Moabitess was with her. And Naomi was not hungry alone because Ruth the Moabitess was with her. Naomi was not homeless alone because Ruth the Moabitess was with her. And there are two remarkable, more remarkable words in verse 22. When it says, so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her. And those remarkable words are the Moabitess. It's not just Ruth. It's the Moabitess. Why? All Israel should look. All the Jewish people should look. And they should see what Ruth the Moabitess did for Naomi the Jew. And that was designed by God. So they say, look, I'm testifying against you against your prejudice, against the Gentile people, against the Moabites. There was a man one time who asked the Lord Jesus Christ, who was a good Jewish neighbor? And the Lord Jesus Christ says, well, let me think about that a little bit. He's thinking and he's thinking and he says, a good Jewish neighbor, let me see now. Can I think of a good Jewish neighbor? I can't think of a good Jewish neighbor, but I can think of a good Samaritan neighbor. He says, and let me tell you about this good Samaritan neighbor. He says, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound his wounds, poured in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him into an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, then I'll come again, I'll repay you. That's the importance of this little phrase in verse 22. Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her. It was Ruth, the Moabitess, who was with Naomi. Ruth, like the Samaritan, was the good neighbor to Naomi. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for showing these truths to us this morning, Lord, and help us to be a good neighbor, Lord, to all that we see. Help us, Lord, to accept the chastening of God as your love. Help us, Lord, to realize when you are testifying against us and to stop. Give us a sensitive heart. Lord, help us to learn what Naomi learned and to be the person that Ruth was. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.